are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Beginning to read at verse 13. That same day, two, uh, two of Jesus' followers were walking uh, to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. One of them, Cleophas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at the tomb early this morning. They came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen an angel who told them that Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him Stay with us tonight, since it's getting late. So they went home with him, so he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it, and broke it and gave it to, to them. Suddenly their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us, as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures? To us, And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they walked along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. 
But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it is really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies as you see I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, Yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sin for all who repent. And you are witnesses of these things. Father, we want to thank you for the good report, the good news that we have of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to thank you, Lord, that we know that you're alive today. We want to thank you, Lord, that you respond to us. You, you speak to us, Lord, as we can speak to you. And Lord, and the communion that we can have with you is wonderful. And so, Lord, we ask that you will bless this word to our hearts today. Open our eyes so that we may understand the scriptures in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is alive. Amen. He's risen. He's alive. We don't serve a dead God. We must remember that the resurrection was not something that the disciples and the women were looking forward to, that they were expecting. They weren't, they weren't counting. On Easter Sunday morning, they weren't counting on a risen Lord. They were in mourning. They were very low, very sad of heart. For them, it was over. For them, all of their hopes and their dreams were dashed to pieces. They had a little glimmer of hope for a while that this Jesus was the one that was going to uh, free them from the tyranny of Rome. And they would be a powerful nation, probably something like under King David and King Solomon. And so their, their dreams and their hopes were dashed. Vernon McGee, a Baptist preacher who uh, used to be on the, on the radio and, um, with a program called Truth, Through the Bible, and he, he, uh, he wrote a, uh, a bunch of commentaries uh, with that name as well. And he said, Christianity does not rest on a set of ideas or creeds, but on facts. The gospel is not the Ten Commandments or the Sermon on the Mount. The gospel is a series of facts concerning a person. 
And that person is Jesus Christ. So I want to talk about some of those facts today. First thing is the certainty of the resurrection. The disciples had been with Jesus for for three years, three and a half years. They didn't recognize him at first after his resurrection, but later on he made himself known to them. Their sadness and dashed hopes had clouded their vision. And that happens to us sometimes, doesn't it? We go through a difficult time, maybe the, uh, uh, the loss of a loved one, either through death or through separation or something, a sickness, loss of a job. And many times we feel, where is he? Where is God when I need him? And yet, he's as near as the mention of his name. All we have to do is speak to him. He's never very far away. He's always within earshot. And these people, these two men that were on their way to Emmaus, they were talking with him along the way, and yet they didn't even realize that he was there. You see, he's the Christ of intimate fellowship. He speaks to us from his word. He confirms it with his Holy Spirit. And we respond in prayer by acting upon his revealed word. And this is what was happening there on that date uh, on the road to Emmaus. And they said, he talked with us on the road. After he had revealed himself to them, he said, they ta- he talked with us on the road. We need to listen. Sometimes we do so much praying, we're doing all of the talking and none of the listening, and God don't have a chance to speak into our hearts. We don't hear him. But he wants to speak to us. He wants us to listen. When we pray, we're talking to a real living person. Jesus, the Son of God. In fact, he is God. And we can talk to him. We don't have to wait till we get to church to talk to God. Amen? Any place, any time, any, any moment of the day, we can just talk to him. He's all, our all-powerful Savior. He said, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. And he has extended that power to us. And so we can go around our daily walk knowing that he's there with us, knowing that he has empowered us, knowing that he has given us the ability to speak to situations in life that are threatening to us, and yet he has given us the power to be overcomers, to cause the the storms of our life to say, peace be still, just as he did to the literal storm. He's transferred that kind of power to us. Today, there are 
approximately 2 billion, there's over 2 billion Christians scattered throughout the world. They're in every country, every nation, every state, every province. I just looked at, at a few statistics while I was preparing this message. And if you want to be conservative, you could say 35 million people per year give their hearts to Jesus. The high side is 70 million. So somewhere between 35 and 70 million people every year are coming to Christ. Two billion plus Christians in the world today. That's people that are alive today serving God. 10,000 Chinese are coming to Christ every day. That's in a communist country. 10,000 a day coming to Christ. 5,000 in India every day coming to Christ. 6 million Africans every year coming to Christ. God's church is growing. More and more people are coming into the faith. There are some amazing statistics of what God is doing amongst the Muslims as well, where they're turning to Jesus Christ. Christians all over the world are healing the sick, they're raising the dead, they're casting out devils, they're preaching the gospel, they're leading hundreds and thousands to Jesus Christ every day. People are excited about their faith. If there's anywhere where the, where the excitement is waning, it is in North America. But thank God, there's still hundreds and thousands of people in North America who love the Lord and are spreading the gospel. The disciples remarked that after they realized they were talking to the risen Lord, they said, were not our hearts burning within us as he walked with us and talked with us along the way? And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, when we're in his presence, don't we sense the fire of God within us? Don't we sense that burning? Didn't you sense the the closeness, the power of God as they sang the old rugged cross there this morning? Amen. You see, when the word is being preached, when it's being read, when someone is giving a testimony, when someone is speaking for the Lord, there is a sense of his power and his presence as he gets closer to you. And what is happening is you just take enough time just to think on him. Just allow him to speak into your heart. He burns in our hearts as we worship in song and praise. In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, Jeremiah said, His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones, and I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. And that's what we find. I remember as a much younger man, 
in my 30s or late 30s. God was working on my heart. I had a good job. I was situated for life as far as material things were concerned. I had my whole life planned out for me. I knew exactly what I was going to do. I knew the day I was going to retire. I knew the day that I knew where I was going to go and live. I knew everything. I I just had it all figured out. But we'd get in those church services. The Spirit of God would move. And throughout the week, I would be in there working with the machinery and large compressors and all the noise of all of the pumps and everything going. I'd radio in all the information that I had to do with my checks. And then I'd find myself praying. And I'd eventually get into preaching and I'd be preaching the gospel to those pumps and those pipes all over the place. My heart was stirred. There was a burning within my heart. There was something that was stirring and churning in my heart. Then one day, one Sunday morning, I went to church not even thinking about ever being a pastor. I found myself kneeling down and saying, Oh God, whatever you want from me, I'll do it, whatever it is. The rest is history. You know that burning that takes place within your life? You experience God in your life and you've got to do something about it. No wonder we just jump and dance and sing and laugh and cry in his presence. When God's presence is with you, you can't help it. He's alive. He's a real living God. We express excitement in our faith and in our worship. Have you lost the joy of being a Christian? There had been times in my life where that joy was gone. There had been times in my life where I felt that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't worthy to serve God. I looked around me. I saw some great men and women of God, and I wished I was like them. I lost the joy. But you know what I found? Every time I allow God to speak into my life, every time I allow the Holy Spirit to come back and just touch me, the joy came back as I responded to him. If you've lost the joy, there's something wrong in your life. You're too busy. You're not listening to the Spirit of God. You're not letting God speak to your heart because he never condemns you. He may convict you of something in your life that needs to be changed, but he'll never condemn you. It's only the devil that would tell you that you're not worthy. It's only the devil would tell you you're not good enough. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses me from all sin. 
The psalmist said, in Psalm 1611, you will show me the path of life. Your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Jesus died and rose again to give you and I back our joy. Amen? Secondly, there's the message of, res- of the resurrection. Paul, in writing to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 4, says, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I pass on to you what is most important and what has also been passed on to me. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. You see, Easter is not a memorial of something that happened a long time ago. It's an ongoing celebration of what is happening right here and now. What is happening in my life, in your life. We've become alive in Christ. Christ is risen. It's about the reality to which Jesus points us. It's about our Heavenly Father, who Jesus revealed to us. It's about the fullness of life which opens up before us in his resurrection, that abundant life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We're not just scraping through. We're not just making it by the skin of our teeth. We have abundant life. Nobody can take that from me. Jesus gave it to me. And he's not going to take it away from me. Amen? The story we proclaim is about a living Savior. His story is our story. And he calls us to fully participate in it. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And that's what makes the difference, folks. If you and I had to live this life in our own strength, we could never do it. But Christ in me, the hope of glory, Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, he said, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What we find revealed in Jesus' life and death and resurrection is that the things which we often think are of as final are in fact temporary. Don't ever give up. Don't think because you've messed up that it's all over. I want you to know that there's power in the blood of Jesus Christ. 
I want you to know that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. We find revealed in Jesus' life and death and resurrection that the things that we often think of as final are temporary. The light of God's presence in our living transcends even the darkness of our dying. And sometimes we forget one of the best things that could ever happen to us is to draw our last breath on this earth. What God has planned for you and I in eternity far exceeds anything we could even imagine here on this earth. Amen? Philippians chapter 1 verse 21 says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, it gets better. The best is yet to come. Our dear friend and sister, Gladys Rawls, went home to be with Jesus last week. She was a woman of strong faith. She didn't want to hear tell of dying. She talked about living. She wanted to be around when the trumpet sounds. She wanted to go up to meet him in the air, to be changed. But that's not what God had planned for her. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 55, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. But all for the child of God. The Bible says, 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. The sting has been taken out of death. And death, which is the last enemy, Jesus said, to be destroyed, has been destroyed. Now, instead of being an enemy, it's just a doorway, stepping from time into eternity, being free. I've been living in this same old house for 70 years. Never been outside this house. Seventy years confined to this building. Amen? One day, I'm going to be set free of this thing. And I'm going to be liberated. Did you, did you notice how Jesus, one minute, he was with those guys on the road, walking along, and then all of a sudden he's gone. No restrictions of this old temple. And then they're, they're telling their story in this house. 
telling them how they talked with Jesus along the way, and they're telling how Peter saw Jesus, and all of a sudden, he's there. That's what Gladys has been released into this past week. Amen? Why should we fear death? Jesus has tasted death for us all. The faith to which Jesus points us, the life which we find revealed in his life is always one that centers in community and relationship. We, for, uh, we are forever being invited to, to step beyond ourselves, recognizing the connection we share with God's family in our community. We're here this morning. We realize we've got a whole lot of brothers and sisters that are meeting together in other, other uh, churches in our community. We're part of that family. Amen? at work and at play, no matter where we're at. But not only the millions of believers all over the world, but we have truly become a place where families come together. And we're family. We're a part of that big family, the family of God. And lastly, there's the fact that the hope of the resurrection, of our resurrection, <clears throat> Hope is a combination of desire and assurance. The glorious hope of the church is that she may be like her Lord. We're always striving to be more like Jesus. We want to see him as he is. We want to be partakers of the divine nature and share in his glory as joint heirs with Christ. By nature, we do not desire heavenly things. I said by nature, our human nature, we do not desire earth, uh, heavenly things. We are made to live on earth as human beings. And we're quite satisfied to have it that way. How many people can't wait to die in this building this morning? That proves my point. We're quite satisfied to have it that way. While we're healthy, we desire physical life. But the new man, the new woman in Christ, Jesus has a capacity to see beyond this life. And when you become a part of the family of God, one of the things you are conscious of is that the 70, 80, 90 years that you spend on this earth is a preparation forever, for forever, for eternity. The desire for heavenly things must first of all be created. The Lord does this for us by his spirit. Through the exceeding and great and precious promises of his word. And we get a longing for what he has promised. 
The Bible reminds us that this was the first resurrection day, but it won't be the last. Because he lives, every true believer will live also. The Bible tells us that those in the graves will come forth one day. Believers who are alive then, when he comes, will never taste of a physical death. Let me just read from Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 17 from the New Living Testament. Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. And we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. For the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be forever with the Lord. The atoning death and resurrection of Jesus are the most important truths of the entire Bible. Without these realities, Christianity would have no power to save. Jesus' sacrifice, victory over death, made it possible for you to live forever in the presence of Almighty God. Now that's, that's, that's good news. Gordy, did you have something planned to play at the end? Or could you play the old rugged cross or the uh, yeah, the old rugged cross again? I'd love that. I think that's a you know like I said in the, during the offering time, you know, we sing we sing all those different songs referring to his his birth, his death and his resurrection. It all ties in. all ties in together. We don't have to separate it. We can just... You can't talk about his resurrection without thinking about the terrible price that he paid for our sins. Amen? There's victory. There's victory in the cross because he's alive. It all hinges on his alive. But the thing is, folks... If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not following him, or maybe you've strayed away from him and you need to rededicate your life to him today, what better time to do it than the day when we were reminded that God gave the best that heaven had so that we could go free? If you feel in bondage this morning, if you feel defeated, if you need some resurrection power in your life, 
then why don't you just come up here this morning? We'll pray together before the next service starts. We've got enough time. Let the Holy Spirit minister to your heart and experience life, spiritual life, in your heart, in your soul today. Amen? Let's all stand together as we sing together. If you need prayer, you just come and we'll pray as the worship team is, is playing and singing. Amen? <coughs>